expected to prepare a Molotov cocktail to defend the city because they had didn't have weapons and uh, it was quite a horrendous uh, sight because they were opened fire upon. Essentially, they were unarmed, just with uh, armed with Molotov cocktails, and they were killed, murdered by Russian tanks, which opened fire upon them. А можете, можете більше розказати якраз про це, тому що там було в парку щось правильно, щось сталося. Так, так, так. В парку багато хлопців е, виготовляли коктейлі Молотова і зробили засідку російським танкам. І е, вони вночі їх чекали, але е, так... Е, Сили були на стороні ворога, вони були без амуніції, без якоїсь зброї, просто з коктейлями. Їх було 18 чоловік, переважно молоді хлопці. Їх просто розстріляли з кулеметів, не дивлячись, що вони молоді і без жалю в паркі там... Була купа трупів, розірваних на шматки, частини тіл валялися просто в паркі. Це було чудовищно. Within the city, one of those attempts was basically 18, 18 young men, young guys who, who, who weren't armed. They didn't have any weapons, but they wanted to, to somehow resist the Russian invaders. And they gathered in local park. They, the only thing that they had, they prepared Molotov cocktails to push back somehow against Russians. But the forces weren't equal in any way. And uh, Russians opened fire from... Uh, from tanks using the machine guns and from armored vehicles into this this group of people and tore, literally torn them to shreds. There were body parts essentially strewn around the park and it was a, a horrendous, horrendous view, unfortunately, because again, they tried to resist essentially being unarmed and uh, Russians opened fire upon them. Наступного дня вони почали мститись місту за те, що ми захищали свої хлопці, захищ... люди захищали своє місто. Вони почали стріляти по школам, по домівкам. Вони сказали, це вам за те, що ви не давали нам заїхати. І вони сказали, що ще раз ви будете таке робити, ми будемо вбивати далі вас і розстрілювати ваші домівки. So what Russians did next after they killed those 18 guys in the park? Uh, they started to basically, they started their revenge. And their revenge, they focused on civilians and uh, regulars, regular basically residents, unarmed residents of Kherson. And they were, their revenge dialed down to essentially shooting and opening fire from armored vehicles upon private houses, apartment blocks, mm-hmm. residential areas. And they claimed that essentially as you try to resist, even with such an attempt, this is how we will make you pay. And uh, if you if you dare to resist, we will kill more and we will kill more civilians. So this is this what, what Russians did after 
after they killed the first uh, group of people in in the city and then they started to 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 basically they tried to convey a message in such a way uh that the citizens of Kherson have to pay for this uh, attempt for for resisting ми дуже добре пам'ятаємо це було перше березня і коли зайшли танки по місту, вони просто каталися, розстрілювали дома, і багато людей постраждало, просто ці цивільних, які просто виходили до магазину чи щось купити. Це було дуже страшно і небезпечно. Ми в цей момент сиділи у підвалі і боялися вийти на, на двір близько неділі або може півтори неділі ми зовсім не виходили у нас закінчувались продукти so he describes the the horrors that started on the first of march essentially russian tanks were rolling in the streets and were opening fire essentially occasionally indiscriminately or often actually targeting civil so anyone who ended up uh in one way or another in the streets maybe just walking to a grocery store or trying to get some food he he risked to be basically killed uh or being shot upon by russian tank or russian vehicle uh which were rolling in the streets so after that they tried to to hunker down as much as possible civilians were trying to hide themselves in the basements and were essentially trying not to to be in the streets вони почали виганяти людей з домівок ті люди котрі сопротивлялися хотіли відстояти свою домівку вони просто розстрілювали і все дуже багато людей просто зникали безвісті і зараз то теж зникають ми тримаємо зв'язок там наші рідні ми дуже переживаємо і не знаємо що далі буде so many people were after that the russians were already in the streets and in control of the city they started to force people from their houses and forced them into the streets uh many people essentially were they we don't know where they are right now they are missing they were disappeared and this continues to be the thing many people are going missing in the city and they're being disappeared by by russian invader and it's uh you know anyone's guess what happens to them Треба їм було удержувати міст Антонівський, який з'єднує Херсон з Олешками. Це був стратегічний міст, і вони оселилися біля цього мосту. Це село Антонівка. Багато людей просто вигнали на двір. Хто не хотів виходити, були розстріляні. Вони і зараз там живуть в цих домівках і охороняють цей міст, щоб туди ніхто не зайшов. One of the strategic strategic objects that Russians managed unfortunately to seize to capture rather soon was Antonievsky Bridge. 
over Dnipro River. Uh, it connected Kherson or connects Kherson and Oleg. Uh, the village near Antonivsky Bridge is called Antonivka. And when Russian invaders essentially were pushing towards the bridge, they they pushed into the village itself as well. And they forced local civilians to get out hey, hey guys, of their, homes, hey guys. their houses. They literally forced those uh, to get out into the streets. And anyone who who denied it or who resisted were shot dead. Получається, весь час вони, коли перебувають в місті, вони шукають активістів, воєнних партизанів, хто проти, шукають по якимось спискам, у них є якісь списки, вони заходять в домівки по адресах, вибивають двері, вибивають під'їзди, заходять в частні дома і людей викрадають і незрозуміло, що, що з ними далі робиться, вони просто пропадають. So right now Russians are focusing and targeting civilian population. They frame it as a hunting for partisans or hunting for the local resist or resistance cells. Essentially, they can bring, uh, they can kick uh, your doors in, break into your house in the middle of the night, take you out and make you well, disappear. They have some kind of list. They follow those lists. They kidnap people and they disappear people and people go missing. We went to meetings. Every day we went to meetings. We wanted something to do for our city. All Kherson went out. Ми носили прапор України, ми півдня стояли в центрі, виганяли їх. Люди руками відталкивали їхні машини. І це ми ходили на мітинги до того часу, поки вони не почали вже стріляти по людям і вже були жертви. Но люди не припинялись, все одно ходили на мітинги, не зважаючи на те, що вони стріляли по людям. Перепрошую, вона дуже хвилюється. Та все нормально. Все цілком нормально. Дякую вам. Вона коли... Запоминаю, она начинает плакать. Это не проблема. Я вас разумею. Поэтому дякую вам, по-перше. И long... So, just trying to, to translate here what was said. Uh, first of all, it's emotionally very draining for, for Sergei's wife, uh, because when she recalls those events, she's, uh, she's moved, to say the least. And uh, all of her son's city tried to resist. People went into the streets. There were ongoing mass protests against Russian invaders. People in the streets with Ukrainian flags, they were pushing Russian equipment, Russian armor back, and they were resisting and protesting. And it was going on for, 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 for a significant amount of times, for days, until the moment when Russians started to open fire upon unarmed civilians who were protesting in the streets of Kherson. And even after that, even after the first incidents of people being essentially shot at, 
protesters, unarmed protesters being shot at in, in the streets, they still continued for some time to protest and go into the street. So Russians established a network of checkpoints all over the city and around the city were essentially stopping civilian cars searching them and it was kind of awkward not just awkward it was a weird narrative that russian invaders unloaded upon civilians when they were basically screening them of sorts on these checkpoints they claimed that uh, we came here to save you and if you're ungrateful for that we essentially will kill because if you say and if you dare to say that you want to be a part of ukraine you are a target and you will be killed and you should be grateful for this grateful uh, liberation of ukraine by russian invader this is what was happening on the checkpoints uh, Домівок і люди виїжджали, і одні, одна сім'я, жінка і двоє дітей потрапили до нас додому, і ми сиділи гуртом, да, ховалися, і були проблеми з продуктами. Так. Okay, дякую. So the, the, the issues, the, the problems for the civilians in the city, they were mounting up because Russians essentially sealed off the city and Russian invaders didn't let any humanitarian convoys or humanitarian aid to be delivered into the city. They essentially imposed some kind of a blockade upon the city and specifically on civilians. So food was not delivered to the city even though there was an attempt to do so via humanitarian uh, convoy and medicines were not being delivered to the city because, again, Russians prohibited that. And a lot of, a significant amount of people uh, actually died because they, they couldn't have access to the medicines that were necessary for them to survive. Then uh, Sergei and his family they essentially also kind of ended up with issue of running out of food or being low on food. And on top of that, they they helped a family, a different family who fled from Antonivka, the aforementioned village near Antonivka Bridge, which was becoming a, a hot spot because it was gradually being destroyed and ruined. And civilians were targeted in Antonivka, uh, a family 
specifically two kids and their mother. Uh, they arrived in Kherson and uh, Serhei's family gave them shelter and they were hiding together. And at that time they had already significant problems with food. They do strange things. They are civilian people, children. My mother was a friend with her котрому восім рочків. Сім'я, котра хотіла виїхати з Ніколаєва, в них була грудна дитина. Вони розстрілювали всіх. Люди, котрі хотіли виїхати, комусь вдалося виїхати, а другі люди просто попадали під остріл. Вони розстрілювали машини, де були написані діти. Вони розстрілювали дітей. Вони вбивці, котрі хочуть просто наш народ український знищити вони нацисти вони нацисти вони терористи вони вбивці so it's again it's it's quite the events that are described are bone chilling to say the least specifically russians were targeting civilian cars that were trying to to leave the city they specifically in one of the episodes or one accident that happened they killed a grandpa with his grandson who is eight year who was eight years old they shot them in the streets in another example they essentially opened fire and targeted a civilian car uh, a family with their kids and shot everyone dead even though the car was essentially they had like marks and sign uh, with children inside Red. So they just don't care. Russians specifically targeted those cars. They specifically wanted to kill civilians or they were ordered to kill civilians. We don't know. The fact remains they targeted civilians. They killed civilians. They killed women and children in civilian cars who were trying to leave the city despite the cars were marked as children inside. They were specifically opened fire upon and uh, everyone in those vehicles were killed so as Serhii's wife says they're like they're they are Nazis Russians are Nazis they came to Ukraine to kill they came to Ukraine to eradicate to eliminate Ukrainian nation and to murder as much or as many as possible that's what they were doing in Kherson specifically killing civilians and specifically targeting civilians who were trying to leave the city with their children. Того, да, і досі комендантська година, ну, просто пропадають люди після 10 вечора, вони конвоєм переїжджали по місту, зупинялися біля дому, який їм не подобався, світили ліхтарем, і кожного разу, коли біля нашого дому проїжджав цей конвой, ми боялися, що вони зупиняться і почнуть заходити до нас в дім. Це було дуже небезпечно і 
страшно, да, ми виключали світло і ховалися. Дякую. So, uh, Russians imposed some kind of a martial law inside of the city, so anyone who, who was in this, on the streets after uh, 10 p.m. was apprehended, and in most cases they were disappeared. They vanished without trace. Also, Russians had some kind of a convoy which was running or driving in the streets of Kherson. Um, just arbitrarily, they were stopping near private houses or apartment blocks uh, with projectors uh, during the nighttime. They were, you know, shining light or projector light upon the houses. They could break in into the house uh, and apprehend civilians and disappear. Those civilians or these people were gone without trace. And every single time this Russian military convoy was passing by Sarhi's house, they, they were extremely scared. They tried to basically kill all the lights, uh, you know, and basically hunker down and hide themselves because they were scared about their lives because they knew what happens when this convoy stops and Russians enter a, a house. Весь цей час люди виходили на мітинги приблизно місяць до початку квітня, поки вони не почали розганяти мітинги сльозотечивими гранатами, від яких теж люди страждали, у них були опіки, їх забирали до лікарні і так все. So, for one month after the occupation started, so for the whole of March, people continued to protest. Uh, they were fired upon. The uh, Russians on top of that also used tear gas that, uh, and tear gas grenade trying to disperse the crowds and then eventually open fire upon the people. But still people continued to protest for one month until April until uh, the the measures that Russians in, Russian invaders used against the protest became uh, even more severe essentially trying to kill the protester вони залякували людей різними способами викрадали із людей нашого міста депутатів кого ми знали Вбили одного журналіста, і це був такий резонанс. Люди почали з кожним днем все більше і більше боятися щось робити. Кожен боявся за своє життя, і всі почали розуміти, що треба виїжджати на підконтрольну територію бо це дуже небезпечно знаходитись у місті. So gradually people understood despite the protests were ongoing Russians uh, up their, their game of sorts Russian invaders started to kidnap more people they tried to scare people as much as possible they executed the prominent journalists in the city they targeted city council members some of them got disappeared and vanished apprehended prominent uh, residents of the city were also targeted and apprehended. So essentially it was uh, trying to, to sow as much fear 
and scare everyone into submission. And these measures were going up and up and up. And eventually they understood that it's time to leave the city because it's getting horrendous. Одного разу прилетіла велика ракета і зірвалася в місті. Вибух був такої сили, що затряслися вікна у всьому місті. Ми весь час тримали зв'язок з нашими друзями з різних районів міста. Кожен передавав якусь інформацію, якісь фотографії. І це було з кожним днем все жахливіше і жахливіше. І в якийсь момент після трьох з половиною чотирьох місяців ми вирішили виїжджати з міста, бо сил терпіти вже не було. So around three months into the occupation, uh, they made the decision to move out um, because the the incidents of rocket fire into the city, explosions, uh, once there was a major huge rocket that landed nearby in the city, Russian rocket, and was massive explosion, uh, which also scared them. Uh, eventually it was getting just worse and worse, and three months into Russian occupation, they made the decision to leave, because it was unbearable to stay in the city and extremely dangerous. My, uh... Хотіли виїхати декілька разів, але е, на підконтрольну територію у нас не, не вийшло виїхати, е, бо вони після трьох місяців повністю анексували і перестали пропускати е, авто цивільних е, на виїзд чи на в'їзд. Е, Well, the, the next issue that arose, Russians started to essentially seal off the city completely. They uh, they didn't let anyone to leave whatsoever, and they forced everyone to stay inside of the city at that point. The checkpoints, essentially, they, civilians couldn't flee the city via the checkpoint. Приходилось виїжджати зранку, о п'ятій ранку, треба було проїхати... 25-30 блокпостів і на кожному зупиняли і просили або сигарети, або водку, або їжу. А потім ти стояв, чекав годинами кілька, можна було простояти сутки, двоє, троє там на, на зоні розмежування, в сірій зоні, це було дуже небезпечно, бо весь час біля тебе розривається бомби, снаряди, і ти чуєш вибухи, але люди все одно хотіли виїхати на підконтрольну територію. So, uh, the process of evacuation eventually about like two plus three months after the occupation started became quite challenging to say the least. To leave the city you had to pass um, in between 25 to 30 Russian checkpoints. <clears throat> On every such checkpoint you were stopped and Russian invaders demanded either vodka either food or cigarettes, some kind of a ransom to, to let you through. Often you had to stay there and being screened, and it also was a tedious protected process and very dangerous one because they never knew what can, what's going to happen. 
and eventually when civilians managed to reach so-called a gray zone or an area in between Russian occupied territory of Ukraine and Ukrainian controlled territory of Ukraine so-called gray zone which was essentially where <laughs> the most the biggest danger was because there was a significant firefights ongoing uh Russians for forced the civilians who were trying to flee to remain in that area for one two or even three days uh subjecting them to all the dangers of the of the front lines essential після двох невдалих спроб ми вирішили їхати іншою дорогою тому що одного разу була розстріляна колона, близько 30 людей загинуло, багато автівок було понівечено. І в цей момент ми вирішили їхати, на нашу думку, більш безпечним шляхом через Крим, тому що там хоч і складніше, але ми боялися за життя. So as they made the decision to flee another incident or another horrendous incident occurred because a large civilian convoy was open basically Russians opened fire upon one of the large civilian convoy consisting of uh, evacuees and civilian vehicles and in between 25 or so vehicles were shot upon and people were killed those who were civilians and trying to evacuate and after that they decided that it's too dangerous to try to move out by this gray zone towards Ukrainian ter- uh, Ukrainian controlled territories in the north and therefore they made a decision to to try the other way towards Crimea, Russian occupied Crimea, because specifically after that incident when Russians uh, opened fire and killed civilians in a evacuation convoy. Uh, uh, їхали ми через Крим, теж проїхали близько 25-30 блокпостів. На кожному теж зупиняли нас на кордоні з Кримом, ми простояли десь сутки чекали по черги, вони дуже медленно пропускали. Потім, коли прождавши цілий, цілу добу, ми прийшли на, на кордон, вони ввели себе дуже зухвало, морально нас гвалтували, ми були виснажені, їжу нам теж закінчилась, їжі, бо у нас не було багато, перевіряли телефон, ввели допит співробітників ФСБ, обшукували машину, Ну, в общем, зґвалтували нас морально і якось так. So they decided to evacuate through the or towards Crimea and it also also was challenging because there were checkpoints uh, in between uh, mainland Ukraine and Russian occupied Ukrainian Crimea and uh, 
civilians were screened and quite severely screened specifically by fsb operative and it it took them a lot of time to essentially get to crimea and on one of those checkpoints um, they had to stay for a couple of days they were pressured uh, they were essentially checked significantly their telephones were checked for for the contents for different photos and everything so fsb was screening them and was essentially morally pressuring them to, to basically to crack and to provide them with some details if they had any and it was an ordeal by itself trying to flee towards russian occupied crimea because as i said fsb was screening civilians who were trying to to evacuate to the south as well а дякую зараз зараз в херсоні дуже складно дуже великі ціни на продукти близько в п'ять раз вище ніж в Україні вони окупанти завозять свої сім'ї шукають квартири які залишили люди які тікали від війни заселяють туди свої родини завозять своїх дітей займали всі госструктури і зараз вводять рублі зачиняють банки ситуація дуже складна люди морально виснажені і але чекають на визволення і якнайшвидше що прийшли українські війська so right now the situation is uh, to survive in Kherson it's quite challenging uh, the food the groceries they cost at least five times as much as in uh, Ukrainian controlled territories to the north in Russian occupation the prices have skyrocketed and it's challenging to survive. Uh, it's super expensive to get some food. Again, as I said, it's five times more expensive. And what Russian invaders do, they already started to bring their own families from Russia into Kherson. Uh, they're breaking in into apartments and they're essentially... <laughs> uh bringing in their own families and capturing the apartments or private houses and making them live there essentially uh, capturing private property and bringing in their families to to settle them in Kherson otherwise uh or other than that it's challenging because civilians are being targeted in the streets and it's dangerous to to basically live in the city because you're under constant pressure and under constant threat of being apprehended, uh, interrogated or disappeared. Зараз в місті вони відбирають бізнес людей, які займалися своїм бізнесом, відбирають кафе, відбирають великі магазини, відбирають різні різні торгові майданчики ставлять своїх людей на на прибуткові місця і вивозять зерно з нашого 
зернохранилища, які знаходяться в Херсоні. So what Russians also do on top of bringing in their families and uh, breaking into apartments and capturing private houses and selling themselves in with their family, uh, they capture private businesses. They force people basically out. They capture anything that is profitable. Uh, they uh, also like marketplaces were captured, private businesses, small businesses, all of those things. They uh, they place their own people into those or give those to their own people. And they leave those who had such businesses and their own property without anything and force them out. No one really cares about who you were or whether it's yours. Uh, now it's Russian. And uh, Russian invaders uh, essentially can come in, take everything that you own and declare that it's yours. This is what Russians do in Kherson. And uh, that said, it's like the horrors of the occupation. У Херсоні на великій швидкості їздять, їздить воєнна техніка, не, не зупиняється ні на світлофори, ні на якісь знаки дорожнього руху. На приблизно до 10 аварій було у Херсоні з смертельними випадками. Просто машина їхала, переїхала як машину іншу, і роз... дуже багато трупів. Вони не цінують життя цивільних зовсім. Почувається зухвало, їздять п'яні за, за кермом. Це просто жах, що відбувається. Так неможливо передати. Дякую. Russian Russian military vehicles, Russian armored vehicles are just racing around the city on a high speed. They don't care about, you know, traffic or whatsoever. They don't care about civilian vehicles whatsoever. They had overall more than 10 accidents where a civilian car was basically ran over and completely destroyed with multiple casualties inside because Russian vehicle just, or tracked vehicle, armored car just ran over a civilian car and just moved on. So they don't care about civilian lives, civilian lives, they don't care about the residents, they just, you know, do what they want inside of the city. Треба, щоб весь світ знав, як це складно жити в окупованому місті, і це може статися з кожною країною. Треба, щоб весь світ звернув увагу на цю велику агресію, бо так не може відбуватися в наш час і в наше в нашому время. Дякую всім за інтерв'ю. Мені дуже було приємно поділитися цим з вами. Я не зовсім це розповів, бо дуже мало часу. Дякую всім. So thank you. Дякую вам. Можна вам ще пару питань поставити? Так, так. So the main message that Сергій and his wife want to convey to us it's uh, how horrendous and how terrible it is to live under Russian occupation because you're living under constant threat 
your your life is not safe and you don't know what's going to happen the next hour or the next day and it's appalling that this happens in the 21st century in the middle of Europe essentially and such thing we cannot let them happen in normal civilized times and again this is what happens people are living in occupation they don't know what's going to happen to them uh the next day and they're living under constant threat and they're afraid for their own lives this is what living under russian occupation is and he wants to convey that message and please spread the message this is what living in kherson right now amanda patanya do vas чи правда що херсон ще краще ніж в тому що навколо Херсона і наскільки нам розказували в Херсоні зараз є чотири тюрми де відбуваються тортури де ловлять людей і в тих тюрмах катують людей і порівняно з цим незважаючи на це що в самому Херсоні ситуація краща ніж навколишні, навколишніх сел містечках можете щось розказати так це правда в місті трошки краща ситуація бо дуже багато людей і вони бояться перевернути увагу вони трошки да трошки спокійніше себе ведуть а в, в селах маленьких вони майже зрівняні з землею наприклад Олександрівка Білозерського району недалеко від Миколаєва Снігирьовка дуже багато сіл постраждало і там теж відбувається як і в Бучі як і в Маріуполі so Sergei says that Kherson despite all the horrors and all the madness in Kherson and the horrors Russians perpetrate in Kherson It's actually a model city for Russians. They try to make it uh, as nice and clean as possible, despite all of that. Uh, Kherson, on a larger scale, is good. Because what happens in smaller villages and towns, it's absolutely blood-chilling blood atrocious. Some of those towns, like Alexandrivka, like uh, Snihirovka, they're leveled down completely. They're gone. Civilians in those towns and villages were killed. And uh, it's essentially Bucha level of massacres happening in uh, rural areas of Kherson, uh, oblast and smaller villages. Some of them are not existent anymore. They're gone, completely destroyed by Russians with their inhabitants killed. В тюрмах так дійсно проходять тортури тих людей, яких забрали на мітингах, і ті люди, які затримали або побачили у них якусь символіку в телефоні, або переписку якусь, вони затримуються і держать їх у СІЗО чи в якихось тюрмах одні з чотирьох тюрм Херсона. And uh, in Kherson, which is again a model city for Russians, and it's considered um, compared to everything else outside of the city, which is complete madness and horror. Kherson is 
kind of okay-ish on this scale. Still, they have four torture prints side of the city uh, run and operated by Russia. They apprehend civilians, throw them into those torture prisons, interrogate them, torture them, mutilate them. If you have something in your phone that might raise uh, concerns for Russians and you're getting caught or stopped on checkpoint, you may, up, you may end up in such torture prison and then not really, you know, then it's God's will what's going to happen to you. And people are being tortured and kept and uh, interrogated and held in four torture prisons inside of Kherson city itself. А так, неможливо розповісти, скільки людей постраждало і у кожного своя історія. Дуже багато людей пропало, дуже людей багато замордованих, дуже багато людей просто зникло разом з машинами, з, з, з майном. Це просто жахіття, це страшні люди, вони нікого за людей не тримають зовсім. Лучше, краще з ними не вести ніякого діалогу. Ми це зрозуміли і ви рішили виїхати. So it's absolute horror what happens in the city because there are hundreds, thousands of stories, different individual stories. Some people are gone, they're missing. Some family members are missing. Some people are gone with their property. Some people are gone and no one really knows what happened to them and their cars. They're just van and they got disappeared by Russia. And this is ongoing thing. And uh, eventually, you know, the, the Russians, they don't treat people in Kherson as, as people. They don't tra- treat civilians as people and they have no value for human life. And the horrors, uh, they continue, essentially. People are getting, well, basically, vanished, disappeared, gone missing. No one really knows what happens to them. Family members are lost, and it's an ongoing thing. And again, as Sergei understood gradually, there is no need to, to negotiate with such people. I don't know if it's a good term. There is no means to negotiate with Russians. They just don't care about human life. You just either have to flee and disengage completely and save yourself or fight back. That said, we'll go to questions. Let's mm-hmm. go with Luis, then finance, and then Nina. Luis, to you. Hey, sorry. Searching for the, for the mic. Um, thank you, Sergei, for um, your report of uh, what's going on. Um, let me just say that I have a lot of people that... Um, do not still believe uh, that this is true but what this man and this woman are telling us and what walter is translating is absolutely true because we see evidence of uh, of that atrocities that are going on on several uh, a big amount of telegram channels so um, it is absolutely crucial that uh, people like you uh, come to us and tell us uh, what you have seen um and i thank you for that um i i just wanted to ask one question uh, walter if you could translate um in bucha we have seen 
uh, reports and evidence that um, the Russians, had, as they went in, that they had prepared lists for uh, people that might cause them some problems, and they went specific after these people. Um, do they saw such kind of behavior also in Kherson? Казуть, що на жаль, що багато людей, які не вірять в те, що відбувається, вони живуть в своїх інформаційних бульбашках в інших країнах і просто не вірять, що, що такі жахи відбуваються в Україні. А, інше питання це те, що на жаль, це теж реально. Але питання в тому, що так як ми знаємо, в Бучі е, русня мала списки. Тих, кого вони хотіли вбити і йшли по списках. Те саме питання в тому, чи те саме було в Херсоні. Ну, ви казали, що вони мали списки, правда? Так, 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 да. Вони на блокпостах стояли, у них були якісь списки, і вони казали пред'являти документи і зрівнювали їх зі своїми списками, і кого їм потрібно, вони затримували. Це були воєнні або АТО, АТОшники, або е, е, якісь е, видатні діячі, е, якісь співробітники міліції, суду, е, керівники якісь вони шукали, або е, активістів людей, які підтримують Україну. So indeed Russians had the lists or the kill list. when uh, when you were trying to flee from the city and were stopped on such checkpoint they had the list and they were checking the list and trying to find your last name or your name within the list. And the list did consist not just military veterans, not former police officers and those who took part in uh, 2014 there was so-called anti-terroristic operation when Russians invaded the initial phase of the war was called ATO or anti-terroristic operations so former veterans former veterans of anti-terroristic operation police officers they were on the list but not just them well, Russians had the kill list for civic society leaders for prominent civilians prominent residents of the city They had the kill list for judges and uh, affiliated structures, anyone who were pro-Ukrainian and again, regular civilians, somewhat prom uh, and the leaders of society. They all were on the kill list. Я хочу ще сказати, що так дійсно треба більше про це говорити і цивілізованому світу більше тиснути на Росію бо вона не зупиниться на цьому, на Україні, вона піде далі, піде на Європу, піде як, як мога далі, поки її не зупинять. And obviously we have to, we have to speak about it, excuse me, because Russia will not stop in Ukraine. If it's not stopped in Ukraine, it will push further, it will push further into another country and on and on until it's not stopped because Russians are salivating upon more. And if they're not stopped in Ukraine, they will continue and they will continue their invasion into other countries. And this is the main message that we have to convey as well. That's that finance to you. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. I hope you and your family are as 
safe as possible given the situation. Uh, very happy you were able to get out. I was curious if you could let us have some idea of what you're even what your family is doing now and how you're able to interact and you know with with the world if you're if you're still trying to defend the nation or if you're just trying to keep your family safe and together and, and sort of how that's going for you now that you you've left Kherson. Що ви зараз робите? Де ви знаходитесь і як ви бачите майбутнє? ми зараз знаходимося у Нідерландах подали на прихисток, щоб якось жити. Віримо в краще майбутнє, дуже сумуємо за, за домом, за рідними, за Україною. У нас там залишились родичі, і дім, і, і робота. Дуже сумуємо за домом і хотіло би повернутися, але плани, плани поки що не, не, не знаємо, які. Ми раді, що виїхали і що наше життя у безпеці. Ми змогли віль спокійно спати, ми не чуємо вибухів, ми бачимо усміхнених людей. І весь час переносимо цю ситуацію на те, що відбувається в Херсоні. Дуже, дуже сумно, тяжко. So they, they are refugees in Netherlands right now. And uh, it's also a challenging situation for them. Because they left everything behind. They left their home. They left their family, essentially, or distant family, relatives and they're left their property, they're left their work, and this is challenging by itself, and they they want to come back, they want to return to their Kherson, to their home city, hometown, uh, but at least for now, they can sleep in peace. Uh, they cannot be afraid for, for basically losing their life in the middle of the night by a uh, rocket strike or explosion, or even worse, by being, you know, their house being broken into and them getting apprehended by Russian invaders. So at least they're safe in that regard, but they're longing for what they lost and they're looking forward to coming back, back to their home, Kherson. That said, let's go to Nina. Uh, thank you, and thank you, Sergei. And um, we have heard about these things and read about these things, and now when... Uh, I, I, this is extreme, extremely difficult for me right now to, to uh, it, this makes it so much more real to have, have you here telling this, uh, uh, this is like, a, I actually lost a word, I, I just want to express my, uh, like, uh, how sorry I am for, 